This episode of the Craft Sanity Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you who donated $1 a month through Craft Sanity's Patreon page. Learn more at CraftSanity.com. I'm Jennifer Ackerman Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast, an interview show all about art, craft, and creativity. Well, if you couldn't express yourself, how would you de-stress yourself? And if you couldn't make and build and sing and knit and paint and dance and spin, would you go crazy? Well, if you're going crazy, here's something amazing to help you keep it together. One, two, three, craft sanity, craft sanity. Hello and welcome to episode 182. I just got back from the Midwest Craft Con in Columbus, Ohio, and it was really a great conference. I was able to record several interviews while I was there, which was really fun. Uh, I kind of had to adapt my plan for that, and I'll explain why in the after show. Those interviews that I recorded will be coming at you after I get a chance to edit them. In the meantime, though, I have some fabulous interviews that I recorded before I went on my trip. So today I'm very excited to bring you a conversation that I recorded recently with Maya Pagan Donenfeld. She is the author of Hope Make Heal, 20 Crafts to Mend the Heart. Now Maya and I have talked before and those of you who have been listening to the podcast may have listened to the first interview that we did and I'll put a link on the website to our, our first interview. You know at the time Maya was in a completely different place in her creative process and her just in her life. So this interview, the conversation felt a little more bittersweet to me than the first. In Maya's book, she talks about how the end of her marriage led to this healing process and she crafted her way through. This interview contains some fabulous information about the whole process of healing oneself because a lot of times when life throws us for a loop or you feel like your boat has been rocked and you're thinking you're going to just completely capsize and not make it to shore again and you're just overwhelmed and you know up a creek without a paddle, like all that stuff, every cliche I can think of, sometimes it seems unbelievable to think, oh, I can, I can help myself in this situation. And a lot of times we forget that we can because, hey, if you know how to make stuff, you know, and most of you who listen to this show are makers – And even if you don't consider yourself a maker, I bet you if you sat down and tried to make something, you'd be more successful than you really believed when you started. The bottom line is that in this book, Maya does a fantastic job of kind of walking people through a process of just reflecting on their life and where they're at and moving through slowly if they have to, just a a process of um, finding joy again. And I think the most beautiful thing about all this is that Maya tells her story with a level of grace that is admirable. And uh, I think it's wonderful that she has been able to not only heal herself, but write a roadmap for the rest of us. I'd like to thank the lovely people at ACS Home and Work for continuing to sponsor this podcast. I really appreciate it. I also want to thank my Patreon sponsors who have been supporting this show month after month. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. So grab a project and pour yourself a cup of tea. Settle in to hear Maya tell the story behind her new book, 
hope may heal. I know that since we last talked, uh, you've been through something very difficult that did lead you to, to make a very beautiful and wonderful book. So I want to congratulate you on the book, but also send you a virtual hug because I know you've been through a rough time. But I, I applaud your courage and your um, creativity to kind of make your way through. And this beautiful book is, is called Hope Make Heal, 20 Crafts to Mend the Heart. So I'll let you begin where you'd like to, to kind of give folks a, an understanding of uh, what led to this book and why you felt compelled to write it. Okay, thank you. What a nice introduction. I think the best place to start where this book began was where my first book actually was published, the time period. So in 2012, I had just finished writing, completing, and awaiting uh, my very first book, uh, called Reinvention, which was all about sewing with repurposed materials, and I was very excited about it. And at it's about, a lovely book. So thank you. Yeah, it's great. It turned out great. <laughs> it was yeah. It was it was definitely something that I felt extremely ready to celebrate. And several weeks before uh, it hit the the bookshelves, my husband, sixteen years, ended our marriage very very suddenly. And it threw me into a, a tailspin. Celebrating reinvention was not even uh, something that I could consider at that time. It was really all about kind of emotional survival and how to support my children. Mm-hmm. And so throughout that period of time, I was trying to market the book and be excited about the book, but I was very much focused on what happens when your life unravels suddenly the different pieces and the different parts of our lives that we try to hold together in times when we're grieving, it can look very different for for most of us. Um, We all have different stories. Mm -hmm. But the thing that I'm able to do is uh, use creativity for whatever means I need, uh, whether it's for celebrating or for grieving. I tend to find um, that making things with my hands is what what ends up being the place that I go to first. I find mm-hmm. I, I go to my studio, you know, it's, it's midnight. I'm having, um, I'm having a brilliant idea. I go to my studio and try to figure it out. Or, you know, I wake up in the you know, early hours of the morning and uh, I can't sleep because something is, is gnawing at my heart. You know, mm-hmm. something is, and I go to my studio and I figure out how to express it. And so throughout the last few years, so that was in 2012. So the, the following two years after that were really a process of trying to find my way and stay very stable for my children. The way that I I did it was to, without even realizing it, was to create this book. It started writing itself, Hope Make Heal. And the thing, the kind of tools that I was using to help myself to rebuild my life um, ended up becoming the projects in this book. So did you just um, look at what you made um, as you went through this process (laughs) and think, okay, I think I have... I think I have, I, have my, I have my 20 projects. They're right here. You know, it's so fascinating when you um, write a proposal for a book, uh, or at least for the first one. You know, I, I came up with all of these ideas, and I was very excited about 
some of them were projects I had done before. This is for my first book. Mm -hmm. But then there was also a lot of um, kind of trying to generate ideas. Uh, It was a materials-based book, trying to figure out different projects that I could do for each material. With Hope Make Heal, it was very different. Um, A lot of the projects were either ones that I was making or had already made before before my marriage ended and found that I was calling upon. Mm-hmm. Um, an example is um, the lavender, my lavender breathe cuff, which is a little, it's a, um, a cloth bracelet or cuff that has uh, lavender sewn inside, kind of quilted inside. And it's stamped with the words breathe on it. And yes. it's um, both a visual reminder to pause and actually using kind of a little aromatherapy, giving you that moment you can inhale mm-hmm. a little bit of peace. And I had made that a, probably about a year before, and I found that I was wearing it constantly. And that, you know, I didn't want to leave the house without it. Or if there, you know, like <laughs> it was just, it became this, this wonderful, and I could wear it under, you know, it tucked under the sleeve of my shirt. And I felt like I had like just a little superpower cuff right mm-hmm. there that could help me um, in those moments when things were getting a little bumpy. I understand what you're saying, because you do feel like you have this secret, special superhero tool at your disposal. It's like Wonder Woman's bracelet or something, you know, and yeah. uh yeah, so it sounds like that. You were just wearing that. That became a habit to put that on. And other people had asked for it. I had uh, students in some of my sewing classes had wanted to make them too. So I knew it wasn't just me. Other people wanted to wear lavender as well. And so I knew that that would be a project. But there are there are other things that kind of evolved into projects. And they did all start to come together to be this list of of what were kind of the tools in my toolbox for both healing, for getting through, and then ultimately for kind of coming out into the next phase, which was reinventing myself. Ironically, since that was the title of my first book was Reinvention, (laughs) I had never known. Yeah. How long did you wait before, because you had to kind of put on a face, your game face for your public in a way to say, look, my book is here. And you might not have felt like as exuberant about it, but you, um, you know, still, I'm sure wanted to get the word out. And um, so how long did you wait before you shared what you were dealing with personally? It was quite a few months. I I wrestled with with how I should, I'd always been very forthcoming on my blog, but I did still think of it as a a happy place to come and a place of inspiration. And I thought, oh, how do I share something so dark and so so hard. I also wanted to protect my children who were going through their own experience. And I just felt like I needed to be very intentional about how I did end up sharing. And so I waited for quite a few months until I felt very ready. And I knew that I was going to be uh, teaching at Squam Art Workshops in in June of that year. I, I felt that coming. And I was very aware that It's an art retreat where there's a lot of transparency and I already taught there several times. I had a lot of wonderful students and fellow teachers that knew me well and I didn't want to show up without already having kind of announced that my life had shifted. I also knew that I was going to be doing a big book talk. 
for reinvention. And I would be in front of quite a few people and I, I didn't want to have to hide. Right. I, I really wanted to be genuine with how different my life looked in, the, in that moment. So I decided that it was time and I did publicly uh, come out on my blog and share my story. And in doing so, I was amazed with uh, the warmth and um, I think not just the warmth, but also there was a sense that so many of my readers were going through similar experiences Mm -hmm. or just even if it wasn't a similar experience, we all go through there. No one has, you know, an easy life all the way through at some point or another, (laughs) there's going to be a challenge or, or a tragedy. And so I think there was a sense from the people that um, had been so lovingly reading my blog. I'm so appreciative to all of my readers that, that, uh, oh yeah, there's real life. And, and they experience it too. And so there was a sense of not only did I not feel alone, but they didn't feel so alone either. And so that uh, gave me courage to, to share. I know for me right now, I'm, uh, underemployed. I uh, took kind of downshifted um, so I'd be really accessible to my kids. Um, but one of the things that that does for women is it makes us a little more vulnerable where if something happens in the relationship, some of us might not be in the full-time position where we can be like, okay, financially we're rock solid no matter what. Um, did you have to change your life as far as your, I mean, were you working a day job or were you doing your, your blogging and uh, crafting endeavors that you had that part of the business that might not be um, as steady as having a day job, uh, where were you at and what changes did you have to make almost immediately? Well, that's, that's a great question because I think that so much of my experience in the blogging world was this sense that a lot of people that were blogging full time, how did they make it happen? How did they do it? Because it, there are very few people that can actually financially make a living from mm-hmm. blogging. Yes, it's really hard. <laughs> and, it's very hard. And I thought about it, but I didn't previously in in my previous blog life before <laughs> right. um, before my marriage ended. I was aware of it, but at the same time, I was a little bit in my own bubble, and I was a stay-at-home mom. And I had been a stay-at-home mom since my son was born and I had homeschooled him until he was seven and then continued, even when both children were in school, continued to be home and very available for them. Blogging and writing my book, my first book, were something that um, they were a bit of a luxury that I was able to do because uh, my ex-husband was supporting our family. And I appreciated it very much, but I didn't realize how much it it would change when he left. And I think it wasn't even just from a financial standpoint. I think what surprised me most, what changed suddenly, is that the room and the space for inspiration and creativity are a bit of a luxury. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't have it anymore. And so my, I think the thing that changed first instantly was how I related to creativity. And it stopped being a hobby that also had an income. 
and it became more survival as far as my emotions, mm-hmm. not not my checkbook. <laughs> right, right. And, and so that changed my relationship with it because then it became very, very personal. My creativity was not about creating things to put in my Etsy shop anymore. It was really about creating things for myself or creating things for the people in my life. And as far as work, um, that also took creativity a different kind. <laughs> that, that was not, it, it ended up not being about sewing as much, although I tried that for some time. So um, at this point, you know, there isn't as much time for blogging because um, I'm doing more part-time work here and there, different places, just to try to make ends meet and to find ways to still be as present for my kids as I can. So yeah, that, that does change. It, it changed, it changed the whole, my whole perspective, but I also, I started writing my second book right away. So you were kind of working on... Well, not right away, but you know, a year or so later, I was writing, I was already writing this book. I guess when I look at you and I look at this book and I'm like, yeah, this seems like exactly something Maya would do is she would take what was in front of her and she would shape it into something beautiful that other people could benefit from and appreciate. And I don't know how you feel about that take on and what I've just said about your work. Do you feel like that's accurate or do you see it a different way? Oh, well, no, I'm honored. That's a beautiful, a beautiful way to, to look at it. And I, I do think that my perspective on making things, on creating things, on using, it's always been about using whatever I have on hand rather than going out and getting fancy supplies. So I I did, it is a good metaphor. I did see what was happening in my life in this moment, what was possible and try to create something that uh, was positive. You know, and, and I love to think of this book as, as, as a beautiful outcome of all of it, because I think that it would have been very easy to stay in a dark place mm-hmm. and to, to stay feeling negative. But I, I'm, I, I am ultimately a very positive person. And so I, I feel blessed that, you know, that is something that I, that I already had. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ability to kind of reframe things and to change things around. And I was determined that I wouldn't let go of that ability. And it, it felt like it was slipping away many times. <laughs> but I, um, I, I held on to this thought that, you know, there's, there's got to be something wonderful that can come from something so hard. I, I can't, it, I, I couldn't really allow myself to stay in a place where, where I, I, I wallowed. There wasn't really room for it, to be honest. Um, Single parenting, two very busy children meant that I had to kind of pick up myself by my bootstraps (laughs) and, you know, face the day. And facing the day meant that ultimately I had to, I felt that the best way to do it was to do it in a place of positivity. The book did evolve from the process of saying, I'm going to make the best of this. I, I won't let this beat me. And the projects, I think, speak to that. Yeah, and this would be a good time to talk about some more of the projects. The book is broken into four different sections. And so each section has uh, five projects and, and a recipe uh, and a meditation. 
so they start they start with a meditation and the projects very much found themselves in the, their four they they evolved so the book kind of evolved through my process of mm-hmm. healing and so the projects do that too um although I welcome anyone to pick and choose, like you said. I even say that I think in the introduction, you'll find what what resonates with you in that moment most. But I did start with the open heart journal because I felt that one of the things that helped me so much was to write. And it's not about being um, a talented writer or a skilled writer. It's just about getting your words and your thoughts and your feelings uh, out down onto paper, getting them out of you and down onto paper. And there's a process, I think, that happens. Although I do love to, to, to write on my computer, I do think there's something magical that happens when you're actually using a pen and writing your words directly onto paper. And you're using your hands and your head in a little bit of a different way. So it starts with the journal because I, I ended up using, I created prompts. Some of the prompts were ones that I had, that I had used for myself um, throughout that time. I used a lot of different prompts to kind of keep me going. And so each project has a prompt, a heart prompt to start you out. And so I, began this book with the journal so that if someone wanted to go through all of the projects, they would have a journal to kind of use as, as a map um, to look back and see where they had, where they had been, where mm-hmm. they were going. So that was the first one. <laughs> That's where it began, a journal. Something as simple, something, you know, so many of us keep. Uh, and, and this particular one, it's, I, I really focused mostly on the cover of it, and I wanted, when I created mine, what I wanted was to to use an image that every time I saw the journal, I would have this sense of, oh yeah, that's who I am. Because it's easy when you're grieving to kind of forget. You can lose yourself a mm-hmm. bit. Now, so there's, a, have, there's a little girl, um, is that you when you were a child? It's me. Yeah, it's How a picture of me. I was probably two or three and at my favorite beach in San Francisco. I was going to say, I, I see the bridge behind you. <laughs> it's the Golden Gate Bridge. Yep. And so that's actually an image. That's a picture that's like, you know, we all have these kind of iconic pictures from our childhood that, mm-hmm. that remind us of who we are, that happy place where we really, it was the essence of who we are. So I did suggest that, that you find either an image or something uh, it doesn't have to be a photograph, but an image of something that reminds you of who you are so that just the act of picking up the journal is that little uh, touch point. Oh, yeah, here I am. <laughs> just the the seed that you're planting in people's heads to use the resources they have, use their own strengths and creativity to get through and survive situations. It's. I mean, I, I think the book's way more powerful than... Uh, you know, it's not just a collection by any means of 20 projects. Uh, I think people may not realize until they delve in just how, how much depth there is here and how helpful all this can be. Uh, what kind of response have you gotten from people 
it's a different kind of response than you get probably for a typical craft book. Right. I'm assuming, <laughs> yes, it is. Yes. It's, there's been a lot of gratitude. You know, like there, this was the book. I wrote this book because this was the book that I wanted. This is the book that didn't exist that I, that I really wished had been written. Um, so I, I wrote it. And so what is happening, and it's only been out for a short time, but what is happening is there is this sense of, oh, this is what I needed right now. That's what I, I, I hoped for in creating it, that, you know, that I, I didn't do it all for nothing. <laughs> that actually, <laughs> actually, you know, some of, some of this might help someone else out there. That has been a really very sweet, sweet uh, response for me to hear is that, because uh, all I've wanted is for it to get into the hands of the people that need it at that moment. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's starting to reach them. And how has that helped you in your process? Uh, do you think that the fact that you were working on something that you knew could potentially help others, did that help you heal in a different way than if you were just trying to focus on yourself and your, and your kids? I mean, do you think the fact that you were doing it for people you couldn't even see, did that help you in any way? I think it did. I think what it did is it made it feel bigger than, it made my healing process feel more important. Um, not bigger per se, but just more important than just for myself and for my children that I wanted to do it well. Mm-hmm. Because if I did it well, then maybe I would be able to help other people too. Yeah. And so I, I, so I really wanted to, I wanted to heal in a way that uh, felt kind of complete. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I will let you know that I, I put the book on hold at one point because I felt that I needed to do more of my own healing before I could complete it. How far into it did you get? And how long did you spend total, uh, in total working on this book? couple of years. Okay. okay so <laughs> a year and a half, much longer than the first book. Okay. Um, well, it's understandable. No, it was, it was probably, I, I'd have to really think about the, the dates of, of when it began. Cause I would start, I started it well before I actually put in a proposal, but then I did take a pause for probably about several months where I thought it was just, a, it was a matter of months where I thought, okay, I need to actually just focus on my children on making sure that this process that I'm going through is at a place where there's enough distance so that I can write this book really, really well. Because I was enmeshed in it. You know, it's so fascinating. I was living it um, as I was writing it. And, And at some points, that was perfect because then I tapped into that rawness Mm-hmm. And then there are other points where I thought, okay, <laughs> I think I just need to be here for a little while. Right. And then I will be able to have the perspective I need. Uh, it was really the last being able to write, being able to get to the point where I was at reinvention at the last section of the book. Did you go back to the same publisher or were you, are you working with somebody, new, a new company? I was working with a new publisher um, who I absolutely was working with uh, Roost, which is a division of Shambhala, and they just mm-hmm. could not have asked for a more amazing experience. I had just a phenomenal editor and um, was just wise and uh, sharp all at once. And 
and understood that this was a very special book. And if I needed to take a little bit of a pause, it, it, it worked. I will say that the proposal, when you talked about, you know, you want to seem upbeat and excited right. about it. And clearly you I couldn't do you, you can't really yeah. do that with the subject matter. No, I think what you need for a proposal is you need to be impassioned about it. Mm-hmm. And I was passionate about this. So I had that going for me. I, I, I very clearly was passionate about writing this book. And so that carried more than that. That had its own kind of enthusiasm. It was a serious subject, but ultimately it's, it's an inspiring subject. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's, it's not the book itself. I try to (laughs) tell people when I explain, I said, well, it's not exactly a light book, but it is kind of, (laughs) (laughs) there's some difficult parts, but once you get past that, yeah, no, I, 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 I completely agree. It's not, um, there's, this is not a Dorothy Downer publication. What did your kids say about this book? Well, (laughs) They're at the point. They're uh, one is a preteen and one is a is a teen, very very much teenager, young adult, <laughs> and so they're used to me um, and all of my healing ways. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, okay, mom has healed herself in book form. <laughs> well, and they're used to inspirational words all over the house. <laughs> um, so they're you know they. It, they, I can't say that they, they're proud of me and they're excited about it, definitely. But they also were like, oh, yes, that's just what I do. You know, right, that's right, just mom. Right, right. <laughs> Was there any hesitation whatsoever about what would happen if the proposal was rejected in a, in a time when you're taking this great risk of putting yourself and your story out there? Was that even a concern or did you just feel so inspired to do something to help other people and get the story out there that that wasn't really something that you thought about. Wow. You know what? I don't think I realized until even this moment with you asking me this question, I never even once thought that it wouldn't get written in one form or another. It would get written, but it yeah. was, the proposal was accepted right away. That's you know, awesome. it was, yeah, I feel like I just, I knew it I, one way or another, this would be written. So I wasn't really, I don't think I was concerned about rege- I think the rejection that I had already experienced anything else was would so pale. great. Yeah, it was like whatever. <laughs> I'm just going to put this out there and um yeah, no, it's it's one of those things where I I I think I was pretty driven to make sure that this happened, uh that this book was created for myself. It was, you know, it really I I needed to write it. And in the process of, of writing it, um, not only did I heal myself, but along the way, I ended up realizing that there were some of these projects ended up lending themselves to helping other, helping friends in my life that were going through hard times. There, there are so many moments where someone we love is suffering or experiences uh, a very sudden loss. And it's hard to know just what to say, especially if we haven't experienced the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you want to say the right words so badly. And sometimes it's hard to find them. And a lot of the projects in in this book ends up, they end up being really great gifts. They end up being kind of the thing you can hand to someone and say, here, hold on to this. I'm Mm -hmm. really here. I understand. So... I was determined to write it for me. And as I was writing it, I became, I started writing it for others. And then it wasn't even just writing it for people that would um, 
end up reading the book. It was for the people that would read the book and maybe had it, you know, this kind of trickle effect, <laughs> trickle down effect would end up being able to give something from the book to someone when they needed it in that moment. I like to kind of go back. I know I keep pulling you away from talking about the projects, but I like oh, to go, go back right <laughs> and go back into some of those. I know one in particular that seems so comfortable and, and lovely. Uh, there's a, uh, is it a poncho? Uh, yeah, the power poncho, which mm -hmm. just the name of it is fantastic. Um, now, can you tell me what led you to create this, this lovely poncho? Yeah. Um, well, it was, it started out as, uh, a circle skirt or dress that I, I got at a thrift store. Um, not this particular poncho, but the idea. Mm -hmm. And I kind of modified it. I was trying to make it into a skirt and I ended up putting it over my head and it was this great poncho. And I'm looking in the mirror and I put my hands up and I realized it was almost like I had wings. And I fell in love with it and I started wearing it all the time. And this was, this was within the first few months after, after life changed, <laughs> after my, my husband had left. And I found that I was, I was wearing this poncho all the time and feeling incredibly powerful in it. It seemed like one of those things where just certain items of clothing can make you feel really, really special mm -hmm. or it, whether it's almost like a security blanket feeling or a feeling of power. Both of those things make you pick something up uh, more than something else in your closet and put them on. And the power poncho was doing that for me. And I thought, wow, everyone, everyone needs to have these wings. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you can make it out of a jersey uh, bed sheet, which is great. So, you know, most of us have, you know, have access or have a, it's, it's very, it, they're very simple to make. One of the things that I wanted to do uh, when I created all of these projects is to make sure that they were very simple mm -hmm. because I just was not in a headspace where I wanted to follow a lot of instructions. And I knew that most people that would be making things uh during a time that was, was hard. They, they weren't going to be wanting to follow intense instructions. They would want something simple. And so this, this poncho is, is, is super simple and yet has this great effect. And uh, yeah, it's, just, it's fun to, it's literally fun to wear. And the thing that I think is so wonderful about this is I can hear a lot of joy in your voice now. And where, for those who might, you know, have been worried about you um, since, you know, you posted what was going on back in 2012, um, what do you have to say to them now about where you're at in your life and how you feel? Do you feel like you're completely healed or is that still a process unfolding? I think healing ends up being a process that never ends. But you, um, you learn to, to live with you know, the wounds that you've had, they, they, they scar over mm -hmm. and, and yet they're, they're still there. You know, you can still see, you can still feel and, and see the scars, but you do time. I don't believe that time heals all wounds. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't, I think that time helps us learn how to move on and that there can be joy again. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the healing process, I think there will always be that part of 
you know, there might be a little trigger here or there that brings on a, a, a little sadness or mm-hmm. something feels a little bittersweet. But, yeah, truly, it's been four years and I feel wonderful. Oh, that's great. Really, really wonderful. And and laughter comes really easily yeah. <laughs> again. Yeah. So, so I feel very grateful. And I do think that some of it comes from, I think a lot of it comes from not avoiding the process of healing mm-hmm. and not avoiding uh, the pain and really trying to move through it in a very intentional way. So that, that, that's hard. <laughs> For the folks out there, you know, haven't seen the book yet. Uh, I definitely am encouraging them to go out and, and check it out and, uh, buy a copy for a friend. Is there anything else that you'd like people to know about your story, your book, and what you're intending to, what you're hoping people do with the book? I'm hoping that uh, it reaches the people that need it most. That I've, you know, I, I keep saying that. I, I feel like that's that's my mission is that it, it reaches who needs it. But also I, I want people to understand that, you know, challenges are, are universal. They're going to mm-hmm. They're going to impact and affect our lives, all of us. And if we can see them as these opportunities to to grow and learn new things about ourselves, then we don't have to feel like it was all for nothing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you no, know that's, that's true. that that there is that there is a, a way through, and um, and and that there that even in the darkest times joy does return. It really does. So, so yeah, so I'm hoping that, that people find what they need, whatever it is in this book that, that touches them. I hope they find just what they need. That's, that's my, my goal. Well, thank you so much for being willing to share your story, for being so brave and resilient and resourceful and making this, this great book that I think is going to inspire a lot of folks out there in a time when, inspiration might be harder for them to find than usual. So, you know, thank you so much for your contributions to the craft world and just for being a great human. <laughs> thank you, Jennifer. Thank you so much for, for talking to me today. Well, thanks you're, a lot. You're welcome. A special thanks to Maya for coming on the show to share her story. And I really hope that hearing how Maya has been able to heal herself through making I hope that inspires those of you who might be going through a difficult time to do the same, because I can tell you folks, this works like a charm. It's like magic. It doesn't solve everything overnight, but it reminds you that you do have control over your life. I encourage you all to pick up a copy of Hope Make Heal. This is a a great book, not only to just have on the shelf, just in case. Uh, (laughs) I mean, and honestly, the projects are actually really fun and inspiring, even if you're not going through a rough time. So I want to be real clear, too. This is not just for people going through a rough time. But the thing is, this is actually a very appropriate book if you have uh, a friend or a loved one who is going through a rough time and they're a creative person. This is probably the most appropriate book that you could give them. I also featured Maya in issue 10 of Craft Sanity Magazine, which is out in print and PDF. And it's, uh, I have very limited print copies, but I do have some, I have like half a box left and that's it. I don't know exactly how many I've left. I should probably count before I have it automatically relisting on Etsy. (laughs) That's a good reminder to myself. But yeah, you can head over to the the shop and check it out, craftsanity.etsy.com if you want to get a copy. 
I will post all the links to Maya's site and in her online presence over at craftsanity.com. So you can head over there if you want to get redirected to um, things we talked about. I will also be doing a little Midwest CraftCon overview, little report at the end of this show. So on the after show, after the music plays, I'll come back on and talk a little bit about that. And I'm going to be back soon with another episode. I have uh, many recorded, so it's just a matter of doing some editing. And I'll keep kicking those out as quickly as I can. I'm also uh, working on revamping my newsletter and getting that out. And I'm going to try to do this weekly. We'll see. Um, I'm about to like write my newsletter right now. We'll see how this goes because I really miss writing. And I feel like writing on my blog is not really doing it for me. I really want to be able to say, okay, I'm sending this out to my people. So I'm going to try to have something that's original that I've written for the newsletter. And uh, there'll be some other things. And I'm kind of in this you know experimentation phase right now where I'm going to try some things out. And based on your feedback, I will adjust it. So if you head over to the Craft Sanity website, craftsanity.com, there's a tab where you can click that says sign up for the newsletter. Then uh, you'll be able to get these updates. So I will talk about, there'll be podcast information. There will be probably calls for submissions for my magazine and other information that I come across. And, um, and then some, you know, column type things that I write because um, I'm a former art and craft columnist for the local paper and I need to find a new home for my column writing. So I'm looking to get back on that horse as well. I'm going to sign off <laughs> because I said I was going to do an after show and uh, I'm kind of turning this into the after show. So my apologies. Thanks again to my Patreon sponsors and the folks at acshomeandwork.com for sponsoring this episode. I really appreciate it. All right. So I'm going to go work on that newsletter and I will be back soon with another episode. In the meantime, craft sanity, my friends. It works for me. Oh, and I am going to have that little after show. <laughs> if you want to stick around. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Craft Sanity Podcast. To support the show, click the Patreon link at craftsanity.com to donate $1 a month or buy a handmade loom or magazine at craftsanity.etsy.com. Same time next week we'll be crafting. All right, so the Midwest Craft Con was a definite success. Hats off to the three organizers who worked on this. It, it was really well done, well planned, well executed. The speakers were great. The The food was good. I'm a vegetarian, and I often kind of cringe when I am thinking about, you know, when it comes to food at events like this, because I'm just like, oh, man. Like, it, the options... Yeah, I mean, if you're a vegetarian, you know, oftentimes the, the vegetarian options are like not always the greatest. And not only do they have great vegetarian options, but I mean, they were like beyond what I was expecting. And um, yeah, so I really like that. That was really cool. And I wasn't just in it for the food. And honestly, uh, I do have to disclose that when I got to Columbus, I wasn't exactly in the best frame of mind to be in a conference. You know, I was super excited, you know, going into it. And I was really like, just looking forward to showing, you know, presenting 
my new magazine that I kind of revamped and I used that conference as a deadline and I had big plans of what I was going to be recording on site and it was just exciting. However, the travel plans changed a little bit a couple of days before the conference. The multimedia editor from Craft Sanity, John Lopez, uh, was supposed to go with me on the, to this conference and we were going to record and do a lot of, you know, kind of do a new video podcasting type of thing. And um, unfortunately, John's brother was in a really, really bad accident two days before the conference started. So obviously, I mean, he was not able to go to the conference and I felt horrible going ahead, you know, without him. I mean, it just seems like, you know, when you hear your friend, his dealing with a situation that's so stressful and and scary that um, to drive away, to drive five hours in the opposite direction from that person does seem like a callous move. So um, I didn't drive myself. I was exhausted because I was up at the hospital and, you know, I was trying to be a good support person for John and his family and I was exhausted. I didn't do all the prep that I had planned to do before the conference and um and then my husband kindly, you know, drove me down there and we took our kids with us because we didn't really have a plan B. Uh so our whole family went. So I went to the conference kind of in mom mode, which is probably not the most ideal way to go to a conference and uh you know, but we made it work and I was able to stay in contact with John um as all the surgeries happened and you know, and I just felt I was distracted though. I mean, at one point someone came up to my booth and said to say, excuse me, can I buy something from you? <laughs> and I'm like, so not that woman at, you know, if I'm doing any kind of like, uh, you know, a table where I'm selling magazines or whatever, I'm selling looms, whatever. I'm not somebody who normally, I'm not usually glued to my phone. So this what I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. I mean, how I felt like I couldn't fully just engage but I left a piece of my heart back here because I just really felt bad for John's family. And I tend to be the worrying sort. I'm a sponge. I absorb other people's pain and trouble. So I was kind of a mess. So if you saw me at the conference, um, I apologize if I seemed aloof or distracted. Um, but I had a pretty good reason. And um, now we're about a week out from the accident and John's brother is improving it's been a slow process. Um, it's still very serious. So um, all prayers and good vibes are welcome because uh, it's still going to be a very long recovery process. I was kind of in this frame of mind where going to a conference seemed like like it didn't really matter anymore after you know everything that had happened here. But in the end, um, I think going was the best thing to do. And um, I met some wonderful people and... Um, you know, even in my distracted state, I was able to record some interviews with some really cool people that I had been. Some of the people I knew ahead of time and some of the folks are newer on the craft scene. So just to give you a preview, I'm not going to reveal all the names because I think that steals the fun. I talked to uh, a couple of, it's really funny, I went all the way to Columbus and ended up interviewing people from Michigan. <laughs> Two ladies who are going to be rolling out a new yarn line. In, it's an independent yarn line that's going to be coming out in April. So that story will be coming out on Craft Sanity very soon. And we have video showing uh, their yarn. So this is going to be really fun. I also talked to a crafty business coach. Uh, and that is going to be a good conversation for 
those of you who are looking to kind of take your crafty business to the next level, uh, it's a it's a pretty good uh, conversation. Uh, I also talked to a fellow printmaker, which was really fun because we got to swap some some tips and tricks that we've we've tried and things we want to do next. And um, also talked to somebody who's very new to the craft business and uh, someone who is trying to launch. Uh, a, it's a handmade doll business, and it's something that's kind of been up and running for a while, but she's looking to take it to the next level. And one of the things that I really enjoy about Craft Sanity and doing these interviews is that I like to mix it up. I don't just focus on people who are established and have all the answers. Um, I like to talk to people who are up and coming. It's fun to get to tell a story or share a story about somebody that you haven't heard from before. You know, it's, it's really nice to be able to, to introduce you to people. That's really something I enjoy doing. I also did an interview with someone who has experience planning big art and craft shows. And, and she's super fun. <laughs> super fun. So um, I think you're going to be in for some uh some fun and entertaining conversations coming up uh that's that's going to be really uh really fun to present to you so i'm gonna work on editing those and get those out as soon as i can one of the things i would say is for those of you who were thinking hmm, i don't know if i want to go to a craft convention you know i'm one of these people i'm kind of a reluctant traveler like i'm most comfortable in my own bed in my own place and i don't really like to be away um, fortunately, I wasn't missing my family because they were with me this time, which was not part of the plan, but it turned out to kind of ease my anxiety actually considerably. I wouldn't worry about my kids because I could see them the whole time. <laughs> so, but what I would say is that if you're not sure, like, oh, you know, I don't know if it's going to be worth the money or if it's worth the travel or if I have to take a day off work, uh, you know, I would encourage you to try to pick a conference that's close by. If you're in the Midwest, I definitely would put the Midwest Craft Con on your list for next year because I'm telling you, this was well done. This was a well done conference. And I've been to a lot of conferences. Um, I've also been to conferences in my field that involved journalism, you know, conferences. And what I really liked about this conference was that it wasn't too huge. There was ample time to to take a break um, for meals and things like that. And that was great for me because I actually did my podcast recording during this time. Um, now, if I I'm invited to go back again. One of the things I would do is kind of set up, um, I would schedule interviews like ahead of time. And I didn't do that this time. So I think it was basically because I was scrambling to get my magazine done. And I was kind of like one track mine going into it. So um, I learned some things about how I could maximize my time there. But um, I, I noticed, I mean, just some things that have happened. I've gained uh, Instagram followers. I have uh, definitely more contacts than I did when I left and uh, th- these are all good things. You know, I, my Etsy shop has seen some traffic, uh, kind of a spike in traffic as well. So, um, you know, when you go and you connect with other like-minded people, there definitely is uh, a benefit. So I would encourage you to look into that. And it was really fun for me to get to meet the people that I have interviewed on the show. I mean, there are several folks that I met and uh, and I'll be commenting a little more about that on my blog but overall, this was a, a really good conference, and um, although, you know, my heart was not fully in it due to the circumstances back home, I do appreciate the time that I had to to be there and to soak up some great workshops, and, um, you know, I'm hoping that uh, I'll get to go back and I won't be distracted, and, you know, uh, John's brother will be better, and we can work to make this conference even better than it was this year. So thank you to all the folks that uh, listened to the show who 
came up and said hi and uh, had conversations with me. This, that was really cool. And uh, it's really great to put some faces with, well, just faces. I mean, because I'm just talking to this microphone. I can't see you folks. <laughs> so it's really cool to get to meet the people who listen. Thank you for listening. And who knows, maybe we'll get to meet next year at Midwest CraftCon.